0: Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This episode is being recorded on Wednesday, November 20th of 2019, and we have loads of stuff to talk about with algorithm updates. Um, I'm going to talk about a few other SEO tips as well, and we'll answer uh, a question about author EAT in the Q&A section at the end of this episode. So this has been a really, really interesting time. I remember years ago, some of you will probably remember this when Matt Cutts was with Google, he made a statement once to say that Google does not like to put out um, a bunch of updates around holiday time. Now I know we're we're early uh, Christmas is still a month and a half away. Um, actually, gosh, it's just over a month away now, uh, but. We have had a number of updates, and um, it's funny because when Matt said that shortly after that in November that year, I want to say that was 2012, I think that's when we had the exact match domain update, it was the end of a November. And Google didn't tell us that, oh, by the way, two days earlier, we uh, we did a Panda update. Um, they came out like a week or so later and said, yeah, yeah, we ran Panda at the same time. Um, and there was something else that happened at the same time. We had three updates, all like within a couple of days of each other. And there was complete uh, huh, pandemonium. I was going to say, that's a funny word to use for uh, what was happening at this time. Because uh, this is actually part of what got me into looking at. Algorithm updates. Um, I had loads of people that said, "Look, Google said they did this update for exact match domains, and uh, my site saw drops. And so I'm going to change my domain name. I'm going to do this. And like most of the sites that reached out to me weren't even exact match domains. And exact match is if uh, you know if you're trying to rank for the best plumber in Toronto, um, and your website is bestplumberintoronto.com, then that's an exact match domain. It has your keywords in your um, domain name, and the that update was so confusing because um, it wasn't that there's a negative to having keywords in your domain name. Rather, uh, some sites were getting an unfair advantage, um, you know. And I remember one of the first sites that I looked at that actually was affected by that update was some type of a WordPress theme site, and I want to say it was like freewordpressthemes.com and they used to rank number one for free WordPress themes and after the EMD update they were like at the bottom of page one um, and it was like Google figured out for uh, that particular website that their uh, keywords in their domain name were giving them an unfair boost um, but most of the sites that were hit in that week of, uh, of turbulence in the algorithms uh, actually were affected by Panda and not this EMD update so this reminds Me of something very similar. We've been talking for uh, you know the last couple of weeks now about this update that was not announced by Google. It was kind of confirmed by Google, but in a vague way. Um, That happened on November 8th of 2019. This was a big organic update. I'm going to talk in a minute about uh, the latest on what we think is going on with this update. And then just a couple of days before that, we had uh, starting November 4th or 5th and going right into November 8th, uh, what we've coined, or Joy Hawkins actually coined this, the Bedlam update that affects local websites. Uh, And so if your rankings have changed dramatically in the maps listings, then you probably were affected by the Bedlam update. But it can be confusing to determine whether it was Bedlam, whether it was November 8th, which has no official name or whether it's November 11th. Um, November 11th, we when we did our analysis of our clients and other sites that we monitor to see if there was a, a date on which there was a significant change in traffic, there were a number of sites that saw a change in the traje- trajectory of their traffic starting November 11th. We don't think it's seasonal. It's not like, you know, I'm sure traffic patterns change on days like, um, you know, November 11th in Canada's Remembrance Day. Um, you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's something that is recognized in a number of places, um, and it can impact your traffic depending on the type of site that you have. Uh, but these changes that we saw in websites were sustained. They weren't just on November 11th. They continued in their pattern. So the good news is that a number of our clients are seeing some increases starting November 11th. Um, and these were all, almost all sites that we had identified issues with trust. Um, and so I talk about this a lot. You can read, probably the best post to read if you're uh, trying to figure out what types of trust elements you could be working on is if you go to mariehaines.com slash trust, you'll get uh, an article that I wrote on the September 27th, 2018 update, uh, which was one where we really felt like Google got better at determining some aspects of trust as described in EAT. So um, the majority of the sites that saw changes November 11th were sites that had trust issues or um, not necessarily that you were doing stuff wrong, but we've talked a lot about scientific consensus and how Google seems to not want to rank a website that talks on medical topics that are contrary to the uh, general consensus, what regular doctors will, um, uh, will think on this subject. And a number of these sites that have been working on our uh you know we've talked about a number of ways to make your content more trustworthy to show both sides of the story to potentially separate out content that could be seen as uh, contradicting scientific consensus a number of these sites actually are starting to see some nice improvements i don't think we have any dramatic recoveries where we can say all right you're back to where you were before uh, a lot of these had a june 3rd hit um but we're seeing things move in the right direction, which is really, really good. It's interesting to note that the sites that saw changes November 11th are a different set of sites for the most, point, most part uh, than sites that saw changes November 8th with the uh, the update um, that, uh, that we believe is about links. I'll come back to that in just a minute. Um, and so initially, whenever we see, oh, there's a date where uh, it looks like Google did something and it's only a few days. Days after a significant update, because we had November 8th and then something happened November 11th, usually our first instinct is to say, well, Google's just making some changes into whatever they made November 8th. But I don't think this is the case. We really feel that November 8th, uh, even more so now after we've done more investigation, is primarily about link quality, Um, unless you were affected uh, in the maps section in your local rankings, then that's Bedlam, as we talked about before, and now you can see why it gets all so confusing, right? Um, but if you, uh, the sites that were affected November 8th don't seem to also be affected November 11th. So to end on November 11th, we have not done a thorough, deep investigation on this. We might if it looks like there's more chatter um, or we're seeing more sites coming to us because of a big hit. Uh, but if you were affected November 11th um, or thereabouts, I, I really would urge you to look at the Quality Raiders Guidelines. And um, we've written so much stuff on our website uh, about how we use the Quality Raiders guidelines to determine what is it that Google looks for in terms of trust in your website and how can you potentially improve that. Um, That's what we try to do for our clients. I want to talk more about the November 8th update, though. Um, And so just a recap for those of you who maybe have not heard my uh, last couple of podcast episodes. um, This update seems much different than other ones that we've looked at over the last couple of years. The last couple of years, every time Google does a significant update, we can find stuff that's in the quality raters guidelines uh, that really, really helps us to understand what's going on with sites that were hit. For example, um, I just talked about June 3rd. When sites were coming to us after the June 3rd algorithm update, uh, it was really obvious to us that the vast majority of these sites that were affected, not everyone, but the vast majority were in the alternative medical space. And so then we can look at the quality raters guidelines and go, well, can we explain that? And um, you know, that was June, I can't remember, oh yeah, it was in May that Google made some changes to the quality raters guidelines, and we actually predicted that Google was going to start to go after uh, health sites that were talking on sort of fringe medical topics. And so this November 8th update... again we really think is not about uh, something that's in the quality raters guidelines we think it's about links so uh, I've explained this before but I'm going to go into more detail here on what we think is happening in regards to links so I actually um, put a a tweet out uh, just last week and said hey if you were affected by the November 8th update could you please fill out this form and what we asked for was a site's URL and um, whether they had been involved in link building and it was interesting. interesting to see a number of people. The reason why I actually put this form up is because we had a number of people who said, no, no, this can't be about links because my site dropped and I've never done any link building. Um, And some of these people, the first couple of sites I looked at who said, yeah, I've never done any link building. I looked at their link profile and, um, you know, either they're in complete denial or they don't understand what link building is. Um, This site had all sorts of links from articles where it was very clear that they had written the article themselves the links weren't uh, true votes for the, for a website. They were basically there for SEO purposes, and those are unnatural links. Um, and so, you know, my initial thought was, well, all you people who say you're not building links and you saw drops, you're either lying or some, you know, something's going on here. Um, and then I started to get some tweets from uh, some people who I've known for several years uh, and maybe through Twitter or had met at conferences. And uh, some of these people had said, honestly, I have not done any link building uh, at all. And I believe these people. So I started to collect this list and we have, I think it's uh, 150, um, around 150 websites that submitted through this list. And it was really, really interesting to see that just over 50% of those were either travel bloggers or food bloggers. Now, That number could be skewed. Uh, It's certainly possible that, you know, I had a theory uh, about uh, food bloggers, which we'll get into in a second here, uh, and why they were potentially affected. Um, And maybe that theory got shared in some Facebook groups or other social media where food bloggers tend to congregate. Uh, And so if, um, you know, if somebody uh, shared my request for needing sites, it could be that we see more food bloggers. And similarly, if uh, travel bloggers are all talking with each other, um, you know, somebody May have said, hey, we all need to submit our sites so Marie can do more research. I think that's a possibility, but we even saw this trend uh, even before we asked for sites to be submitted. Um, And so, you know, I do think that something affected travel bloggers and food bloggers. Now, there are other sites affected. Uh, I think some of you who were affected actually were affected by the local update, uh, the Bedlam update. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, we also had some sites in the area of finance, we had some attorney websites. Uh, and uh, you know so there could be other elements here Um, I'm not just saying that Google went after a specific industry Google actually has said that they don't do that in fact when we um, you know when the SEO community coined medic August uh, of uh, 2018 as a medic update because it affected health sites um, you know somebody from Google said well no no we don't go specifically after industries but they can make changes that affect certain industries Um, And so those changes are applied to every site on the web, but it could have a stronger impact on, you know, in that case, health. Um, And so why are travel and food blogging sites seeing, or some of these sites, seeing drops? And why are some of them seeing drops even if they didn't do link building? So one of our theories, which is getting stronger and stronger now, is that Google is starting to devalue some of the links that these websites uh, were getting before that actually helped the website. And um, I'm going to mention two of these types of links because this was something that I saw, I, I spent a long time analyzing websites and looking at their link profiles and trying to disprove my theory uh and i, I don't think i can disprove it um and so what we saw was uh, actually one of the things we did was use the uh, hrefs has a really good link intersect tool. And a lot of people use this. Moz has got a good one as well. Uh, a lot of people use this for trying to find links to your clients. And what you can do is you can say, I want to find people who link to these three competitors of mine, um, but don't link to my site. And then you can find opportunities where you can potentially get links. Well, what we did was we just randomly grabbed um, sets of three food blogging sites sites and put them into uh, this link intersect tool. And it was interesting to see that um, most of them had the the links that they had in common were from sort of roundup posts. Uh, Now, we could argue that recipe bloggers tend to have these links. Um, But let me describe what I'm seeing again. And uh, what we're seeing is, um, you know, a post that says, uh, here's, 10 great pumpkin pie recipes. And then they link out to different food bloggers who have pumpkin pie recipes. Now, this can happen naturally. If I'm writing an article about the best pumpkin pie recipes, uh, you know, I may say, well, these are ones that I've made. and and uh, uh, But I bet you that most of these posts did not come about because somebody truly was uh, recommending the best pumpkin pie recipes, but rather they came about because of relationships. Um, now, relationships are not bad. If I, uh, you know, I take part in roundup posts and um, people will link to me because, you know, maybe I've met you at a conference and, uh, and you've liked my advice or, you know, you've read the newsletter and you want to you wanna link to that. That's good. That's a really good thing. But where it becomes a problem is uh, if that's the main way that you get links or you get a lot of links in that way. Uh, and a lot of these links, I think, were not there because somebody said, I really need to find the best pumpkin pie recipes to link out to, but rather they have a network of bloggers that we all just kind of link to each other. And, and that's a link wheel. Um now, some people argued with me that uh, you know I didn't build any of these links. I my recipes truly were recommended uh, by this particular um, you know. Th- an aggregator site that's, uh, that's recommending a bunch of recipes. This is possible. um, But I think you can still be affected. So similarly, and this was something I looked at with travel blog sites, they had, again, um, a number of reciprocal links like this, uh, or not necessarily even reciprocal, but just, um, you know, recommendations that looked very similar, as in, uh, you know, here are the 10 best places to visit when you go to Milan or something like that. Um, and so how did that article find those 10 best places to visit and link out to those websites? It was probably because there's an agreement there to link to each other, uh, to help with your rankings. Um, travel bloggers, uh, in particular as well, had a lot of these, um, Uh, these links uh, where uh, everybody was just kind of linking out to each other in this way. I think you understand the type of link that I'm talking about. But what about the sites that said, no, no, I didn't do link building. They still had links like this. Now, I believe that um, a portion of the links like this that I've described truly are natural mentions. And uh, the vast majority of them are some form of manipulation. They're nowhere near as um, horrible as, you know, somebody who went out and got a PBN or started injecting, uh, you know, malicious scripts into a website so that they can put their own unnatural links. You know, it it, it shouldn't be in that same bag as like, ooh, you set out to manipulate Google and you're bad. Um, because a lot of these links are truly helpful to people. If I'm looking for a pumpkin pie recipe, I kind of appreciate that you've given me five other options at the end of your post, and maybe I'm going to click on some of those links. Um, And so what we believe uh, Google has done here is said, look, um, these links are not necessarily horrible, unnatural links that should be penalizing a website for, uh, but they also should not help prop up a site's rankings. And in some cases, I bet you they get it wrong. Um, But we think that what Google has done has devalued uh, the majority of this type of link. Um, And to... To think of why they did that, we need to look back at why links matter to Google. Links matter because if I put something in a newsletter about an article that you wrote, I don't put it there because, uh, you know, we're good buddies. I put it there because I think that your article is good for my readers and I want to actually recommend it. Um, and so that's why links matter because Google figured out that, hey, if this one particular piece of content on the web has lots of people linking to it and talking about it, then that means that it's probably worthy of us ranking well. Um, And if links are there, uh, you know, because somebody's got good connections, um, because they're part of a network, uh, because they're trying to help out, you know, tons of other bloggers all the time, those really aren't true recommendations for your content, and they shouldn't help your content rank well. So, with all of this being said, the question is, uh, should we be disavowing links like this? And this is going to be really tough because at this point, we're going on a theory. This is my leading theory that this update was about links, uh, but I fully admit I could be wrong on this. Um, and I would be a little bit reluctant at this point to um, start looking at, uh, it's you know, start disavowing a bunch of these links because if I'm wrong, you could do more harm than good. Um, and if Google is just... Ignoring these links, then you could just accomplish nothing. Uh, You know, if you're asking, when you disavow, you're asking Google to um, ignore links. And if they're already ignoring them, why bother? The reason why I think some sites might consider it is um, that uh, John Mueller has said in the past that if you have enough unnatural links pointing to your website, then Google may decide to put less trust in all of your links overall. So most of the sites that were hit saw, um, you know, like a 30% or so drop in traffic. I mean, it obviously varied. Um, And when I checked rankings, so I started looking at which uh, of these sites, um, was it that like a competitor started to do better? And so, uh, you know, if you lost a couple of places in rankings, um, maybe it's because one of your competitors saw some gains. And in every case that I checked, and I did this for a few hours, um what I was seeing is that the site that was affected had dropped just a couple of positions for their main key- for whatever keyword I was checking, uh, and that the rest of the SERPs really hadn't changed that much. Uh, and so that tells me that um, you know it kind of fits with Google saying we're not counting these links anymore, and it kind of tells me that it's not likely to be a severe negative on your site. Um, because in the sites that we've seen where uh, Google has come in and uh, algorithmically determined that your links are untrustworthy and this site should not rank anymore, because we've we've seen lots of cases where we think that's the case, uh, it's dramatic. It's really dramatic, and nothing can rank. It's like you can barely get anything on the first page uh, unless you know there's almost no competition for this term. So this makes me think that in most cases, Google is just ignoring links that are pointing uh, this type of link that they've determined should not count towards PageRank. And that is um, probably disappointing to many of you because if this is the case, there's nothing you can do to reverse these uh, losses other than find ways to truly get people recommending your content um, that doesn't involve uh, a network or um, you know something that Google would consider to be a link scheme. The exception that I would make is if you're uh, one of those cases where everything has dropped off the first page. um, And, you know, I'm not talking like your rankings went from, I used to rank number two, and now I'm number four. I'm talking about, I used to rank number two, and now I'm page four. Uh, If you're seeing that, And also, if you have a history of other types of links that are clearly unnatural, specifically links in articles that were spread around uh, mostly for link building, Uh, if you have that, you absolutely need to disavow. So we're doing more disavow work. We've got uh, uh, some interviews coming up uh, next week. We're going to be hiring more staff so that we can take on more uh, disavow work. Um, And so as we get more insight into what's happening here, we'll keep you updated as much as we can. It's definitely been a very, very interesting time in terms of uh, algorithm updates. Um, Let's move on here because there's... uh, uh, a lot more that we could talk about. Um, something interesting here, uh, a few people have noticed that Google is testing removing your organic listing if you also own the featured snippet. So I haven't actually seen this personally, but I think some of my staff may have. Um, and it kind of makes sense, right? Like I've done searches where I click on the featured snippet and then like a couple of sites later as I'm going down the organic results, I'm like, Oh, I've already been to this site. Cause I clicked on the featured snippet. So, um, You know, this could impact some sites traffic, probably if Google is doing this, it's because they realize that, oh, when a site's in the featured snippet, you know, people aren't likely to click on the organic result, or if they are, they're going to click back. So uh, we'll see if this sticks, if it's uh, just a test or something that Google continues to do. Um, Interesting tip that was tweeted out by Lily Ray, I believe this is from a talk where Martin Split from Google uh, was talking about um, JavaScript and rendering. Turns out that rendering can count against your crawl budget. Now crawl budget is something that's a hot topic that, um, you know, in most cases you don't need to worry about crawl budget unless you're a really, really large website. Um, but if you are a large website and your site is very heavily reliant on JavaScript, uh, then this could impact the ability for Google to actually uh, crawl your content. And if you're having trouble getting content indexed quickly, it could be that Google is getting caught up in uh, trying to figure out your JavaScript and um, you know improving the load time for your pages, improving the amount of time that uh, it takes for Google to actually figure out what your JavaScript is, uh, could potentially make a, a positive um, impact on your uh, your ability to rank. Um, similarly, Martin Split uh, mentioned uh, an interesting point on structured data. Um, he said that uh, each and every bit of structured content helps Google and that even if they're not actively using the rich results today, it doesn't mean that they will not use it or that they won't be using it sometime soon. Um, so, We are getting more and more, uh, keen on marking up everything that we can on a page. Um, and you know, sometimes it can seem kind of useless to do that. Uh, but we believe that Google uses structured data to understand your entities better. And so the more you can do to clearly tell search engines what your business is about and why, uh, people should be trusting you the better, um, now uh, let's see. we've got some tips in newsletter. The really good one here about uh, from Google webmasters, some tips on determining why you have mixed content errors. Mixed content happens if you have a page that is HTTPS, but it draws upon resources from an HTTP page. So um, let's say you had an old old page on your website that was linking uh, that embedded a YouTube video um, and or maybe linking to a YouTube video. Um, yeah the embed is probably better and uh, you know years ago YouTube was HTTP so if you had um, an HTTP embed on your HTTPS page you're going to get a mixed content warning and users will not necessarily see the green padlock Um, and so you can go to newsletter to read uh, the the full set of tweets that Google webmasters tweeted here Uh, some interesting uh, stuff on how you can use Chrome's developer tools to um, actually find this mixed content. The the fix in the case I was giving you, like if you had linked to a, an HTTP version of YouTube, you can just change that to HTTPS and instantly the mixed content warnings will go away. It's not always that easy to fix, but in some cases uh, it can be. Um, let's see what else we can talk about here. Oh, I should mention this article on the Wall Street Journal. Um, some of you may have heard it. It was published. It's behind a paywall, so not everybody has read it. Um, but uh, I, I've read the full thing, and uh, I was quite disappointed <laughs> in it, actually. So a couple of months ago, I got uh, an email from a journalist from the Wall Street Journal uh, who said she was doing a big story on how Google's algorithms work. And now in the article, it says she actually interviewed uh, – I think it was, wasn't was just her. There were several journalists. They interviewed 100 different people to ask these questions about uh, how – Google works and um, it was mostly surrounding Uh, does Google give preference to large brands? Uh, There were other questions too that they asked Um, but the journalist was so fixed on trying to prove that Google was doing this. She really believed that uh, Google would manually insert a large brand into the organic results um, and sort of insinuated that it could be connected to whether or not they spent a lot of money on ads, Google ads um, you know and and other things like that and I've seen these conspiracy theories on all of the time um, and so she pointed out to me an article that uh, was written it was published on the website for Boeing uh, the manufacturer of airplanes um, there was some incident that happened around that time where there was a crash in a Boeing 737. And it was written about all over the news. And what the journalist was saying was that it didn't make sense that um, the page that was ranking number one, if you searched for Boeing 737 crash or something like that, uh, was the press release that Boeing themselves put out uh, on this uh, this accident that happened. Um, and her opinion was that it would be much better for Google to rank... Um, you you know, maybe the BBC or, uh, you know, an authoritative website that is giving an unbiased opinion as opposed to the company itself talking about how they handled this um, tragedy. And uh, so I took a look at this, and that particular press release had links from uh, over 800 different domains, and they were all very authoritative news sources. And so I was explaining to her the power of links and that um, much of what is authority on the Web is determined by how we link to each other. And uh, and so I said, in my opinion, it makes sense that this result is number one because um, you know all of these authoritative news sources have considered it the best result. And, uh, and that's why it ranked well. Well, the article that they wrote in the Wall Street Journal went on to say, like it, it didn't take that point of view at all. Um, and it, it went on to say a number of things such as how, I guess one person who they interviewed said that the Google Ads team... Um, would give them if they had a big enough spend. Would give them a uh, huge insight into how to improve their organic rankings, which we all know is not true. Um, and the Google Ads reps, uh, um, they don't have insight into uh, how Google's organic rankings work. So there was a lot that was really wrong in this article. I bring it up just because um, you know the Wall Street Journal is a trusted publication, and a lot of people are going to read this and uh, and be even more anti Google. <laughs> than they are now. Um, I don't think Google is perfect. I think they've got a lot of things to work on still. Uh, But I'm siding with Google on this one, because, um, you know, there were a lot of things really wrong with this Wall Street Journal article. Um, one quick local SEO tip uh, a few people have noticed now that if you're using the Google my business app um, you can actually report spammy users there used to be you could flag I mean you still can flag individual reviews um, if they uh, you know have an issue uh, but now you can flag individual users uh, if they are very clearly um, faking reviews and stuff like that so that's good to know I don't know you know how or if Google will take action on those users, but at least uh, they're giving us some type of an outlet to, uh, to report cases like this. So let's, uh, I'm just going to do one Q&A question here. If you have a question you'd like me to answer um, on EAT, on link quality, or anything else about SEO uh, that you think I can cover, um, then you can go to our latest episode of the newsletter. This is uh, episode 109 that we've been talking about, mariehaines.com slash newsletter. You'll see a link in there on where you can ask uh, a question, and uh, and then hopefully we can cover it in a few future podcast episode. So here's the question. I have a client in the insurance industry. He writes about different types of insurance, auto, home, life, etc. Option one, for his site, should he have different author profiles depending on the topic? So for life insurance it would explain his EAT and life insurance. And for auto it would be a different author profile, uh, but the same name or person explaining his EAT for auto insurance. Or option two, should we have just one profile that considers him a general insurance expert? So this is a really case-by-case basis and at the risk of sounding a bit like a broken record and um, I would say do what's best for users. So if I'm reading an article and I land on an article on your website that is um, about life insurance, I have some question about life insurance and I land on this article And I see the author bio and I see that this particular person who wrote this article is a content writer who writes on life insurance and auto insurance and a few other insurance related things. That doesn't inspire me uh, to say, wow, this person is the one who is an expert on life insurance. I really need to read their content. It's better than having no author profile. But uh, what you really want to do is make it so that the user who is reading that article is convinced that that author really knows their stuff and can be trusted. Um, And so, in that particular case, let's say I did have, I I think it's quite possible for people to be an expert in both life insurance and auto insurance. Um, And so, uh, you know, you could put that in their author. If you can't make different profiles or different author boxes, bios, sorry, uh, for every particular post. Then I would write it in a way that says, you know, this particular person has been in the insurance agent er, industry for 10 years and has um, is known as an expert in life insurance and auto insurance, and then goes on to uh, describe why, um, you know, they've been quoted in Forbes. They've been, you know, just mention all of these authoritative things. Uh, and then that links to their author bio page. I really, I think in most cases, would just have one author page for that author and explain explain why they're an expert uh, in each of these areas. Now, where it could be different is you can conceivably have an author who's an expert in multiple areas. So I use myself as an example. Um, for many years, I was a veterinarian, and uh, I have a lot of expertise in that area. And for a while, I was kind of like dabbling in SEO and also writing SEO or veterinary content online. So ah, uh, but I didn't do those both on the same website. If for whatever reason, okay, so let's say I had a website where I was um, selling SEO services to veterinarians, and maybe some of my articles on the website, you know, required me to have veterinary expertise, and some of the articles on my website required me to have SEO expertise, uh, you know, I could potentially have two different author profiles, but even then, I think just one is fine. So, it really depends on the case. Um, I could think of some circumstances where you might want separate author profiles, but in most of those cases, I'm kind of questioning whether that content really should all be on the same domain. Uh, so you know, you might want to look at that as well. Um, important to know here. Uh, I'm really uh, thinking a lot about this whole author EAT thing, and there was something that somebody from Google said recently. I think it was Danny Sullivan, where you know he was sort of implying that Google doesn't look at author bios in the way that maybe we speculated in the past. Um, I still think author bios are important to have, they're important for our users, um, but I think it's less likely now that Google will say, Oh, this uh, post says it was written by this author, and uh, this post on their about on their author page says that this author is an expert in these things, and so therefore we will trust the post. Rather, that information just helps Google to connect the dots, um, and compare that against the external information they have. So, you know, you can't make up author bios and expect that Google's gonna treat your authors as experts. Um, It has to be backed up by uh, other people recommending you as an expert. Um, The other thing I think Google, and Danny, I don't have the words in front of me, but he sort of alluded to this, was that it sounded like he was saying Google can understand whether content is written by an expert. So for example, take that veterinary article. If I wrote an article on a particular uh, you know, disease that dogs or cats could get, um, or you wrote an article on a particular disease that dogs and cats could get, you could do good research and you could probably write a very good article and you may even be a better writer than I am. But there are words that I will use uh, that sort of indicate that it's more professional content. Um, and we've seen all sorts of tools that, you know, there are reading scores there that can tell us, oh, the content level of your uh, article is expert. Um, and uh, I think Lily Ray talked about this in uh, when she presented with me on EAT at a conference uh, where they actually did a study and they looked at medical sites that dropped and the reading scores um, were often uh, significantly higher for medical sites that uh, improved. Now, you know, that could be correlation, causation, it's hard to say. Uh, But the point is here that I think um, it's hard to trick Google into saying that your experts truly are experts, unless they really are experts writing on this content. So, I think I'm going to leave it at that for now. Uh, a lot of stuff that we covered and uh, this algo turbulence is uh, making our lives quite interesting. I thoroughly enjoy trying to figure out what Google did with an update. And so um, um, so this is fun time for us, but it uh, uh, it sure adds a lot to our work days to, uh, to get this done. You may have noticed, or maybe you haven't, that uh, I'm not doing as many interviews and podcasts uh, other than my own uh, for a little while. And so some of you are reaching out to to ask me to do some interviews. And I'm actually really working hard on um, getting some stuff at MHC more organized. Like I said, we're hiring some more people. We've got some cool stuff coming up in the future with uh, a new website and major changes to newsletter as well. Um, You know, we had no idea it was going to grow to the size that it is now. So we're going to be working on making those things better for you. Um, And those of you who are following my illustrious Fortnite career, uh, this is really funny. I um, just connected with that <laughs> Um, a young guy named Cole who um, has a YouTube account called Roadie Bros. And uh, if you're looking for good YouTube content on Fortnite, this guy knows his stuff. And uh, anyways, we started talking about marketing ideas and how there's very little Fortnite content out there for people at my skill level where I'm not a beginner, but I'm not really good. Um, and, so, and there's tons of people looking for this content. So he's potentially going to be reviewing my gameplay and making YouTube content out of it. Uh, and that'll make him tons of money and it'll make me a better Fortnite player. So life is good right now, right? <laughs> um, and uh, I know it's silly that I play so much Fortnite. It really, I feel it helps. It's the only time that my brain is not trying to figure out what Google's doing or what my business is doing. And I can just, uh, it takes all of my brain power to try to get uh, good at the game. So I love it so much. Any of you who are Fortnite players, reach out to me and maybe we can uh, we can team up at some point. So. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions that you want to reach out, uh, potentially to hire our team or ask more about our services, it is help at mariehaines.com. Thanks so much. And I wish you the best of luck with your rankings.